If you were here last week, we started a new series entitled A Christmas Kind of Life. And Chris opened up our series talking about the angels that appeared to the shepherds to bring them the good news that was going to cause great joy for all people. And this joy was literally for all people who would one day choose to believe and receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And if you were here, Chris said this. He said, this is how the Bible defines joy. It's an experience of delight and excitement that comes from within a person and is able to be experienced regardless of one's circumstances. It comes from within a person. In other words, Chris shared it like this. He said, you might want to think about a a boiling pot of water. And when you heat up that water hot enough, what does it do? Well, the water begins to bubble, and if you're not careful, it begins to overflow outside of the pot, right? Well, that's what joy is. Joy in crisis have this internal joy that comes out no matter what is going on externally. That there is a divine supernatural joy that is driven because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Christmas uh, is just this special time of year. And we all understand that, but, but what makes this season so special? It's many things, but I started thinking about it. What if it just wasn't for now, but it was for every day of the year? Because I believe it can be. What if we didn't wait until every November, for some of you every October, to start celebrating Christmas and getting ready and and, and enjoy the season? What if it was every day? See, we believe that that can be a Christmas kind of life each and every day of the year. And not only do we believe it, we actually believe as followers of Jesus, that's what he desires and wants us to be. He wants us to experience his joy, his peace, and his goodness all of the time. And in return, that is what others are supposed to experience when they come in contact with us. I was uh, flying through Cleveland, Ohio uh, a little over a year ago, and it was really early in the morning. I remember my alarm went off like at four o'clock to get on the flight, and you get to the airport early, and and, and everybody's a little grumpy, and you know what it's like, and you're waiting in line at at TSA, and and I got through TSA, and and Chick-fil-A had just opened up, and you know that Chick-fil-A is one of my favorite places, so I I got to the counter. There was a long line, and I got there after I went through security, and and this lady behind the counter, she greeted me this way, and literally, it was like 5.15 in the morning, and she said, it's a great day to be at Chick-fil-A. Hello, young man. How may I serve you? And I said, I'm a young man. This is great. It's a great day to be at Chick-fil-A. Here's Chick-fil-A's mission statement. To glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us. To have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you just don't serve chicken, maybe that should be your mission statement. Maybe that should be your purpose. What if it read like this? To glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to you. Put your name in there. To have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Matthew. What if that was your statement? So today we're going to talk about how you can truly live a a Christmas kind of life every day. As you glorify God and be a faithful steward of all that he has entrusted to you. 
And if you don't remember anything else, I, I want you to hear this, and I believe this, that Christ, Christmas is God's goodness to us, and we're God's goodness to the world. Christmas, it is God's goodness to us, and we're God's goodness to the world. And I don't think there's anybody that shared goodness more than this guy that's going to come up on the screen right behind me, right? I mean, I love the movie Elf. Anybody else love the movie Elf? Yeah. So great. Well, maybe you remember just a few things that, that he, he said. I'm going to have just a few of, of Buddy's quotes. Some of them might be your favorite. The first one was this. He just said, I just like to smile. Smiling is my favorite. He said this, there's room for everyone on the nice list. I like that. He said this, you have such a pretty face. You should be on a Christmas card. And then when he saw Santa again for the first time, do you remember that? He was like, Santa, oh my gosh, Santa's here. I know him, I know him. And then I'm singing, I'm in a store and I'm singing. Remember that? And then the best one is this. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. I love Elf because he was just full of goodness. But Christmas is all about the goodness of Christ. It's always been at the center of everything that God wanted for his creation. So I want you to take your Bibles. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 1 tonight. Luke chapter 1. And this is what Mary recognized when she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. The coming of Jesus was going to be on display. And it was going to be given display of God's goodness to the world, especially to those who were less fortunate. And Mary in this moment, she experienced the goodness of the Lord. But not everything that she experienced was good. See, she had to trust that God knew best as she chose to surrender her life over to him and his plans for her, even when everything didn't make sense. She was given word in chapter one that she was gonna be the one that was gonna carry the son of God into the world, that she would be the mom of the soon coming Messiah. And an angel comes and greets Mary and says these words, verse 28, Luke chapter one, greeting. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Hey, Mary, whatever I'm about ready to tell you, the feeling of fear or anxiousness or worry that might be filling your soul right now, Mary, I want you to know that the Lord is with you. And the same is true for every single one of us that's here tonight. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to tell you and remind you that you are highly favored. And the Lord Almighty is with you, whatever you are walking through right now. You see, one of my favorite parts of this scripture is that verse 28. Because verse 28 is spoken over Mary before she did anything good. Before she knew what her assignment was. Before she ever said yes or did anything to deserve his favor, she was highly favored and the Lord was with her. Think about that. She did nothing to deserve that. And yet those words were spoken over her and they're spoken over you tonight. And I believe she definitely wasn't favored because of her response to the angel in verse 29. Look what it says. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
She was greatly troubled. She was in distress. She was worried. I imagine she was anxious and a little bit scared in this moment. And yet she was favored and she was chosen. And God was with her in her fear. You see, faith and fear have one thing in common besides the letter F. They both believe in a future that hasn't happened yet. Yet fear is fueled by a negative outlook that you are trying to control. And faith is fueled by trusting that God has your future and whatever happens that he is with you and he is for you. You see, Mary had to choose by faith, maybe even in her fear, in the goodness of God when she received this announcement. And most of you know the Christmas story. The angel said to Mary, don't be afraid. You're going to give birth to a son and and you are to call him Jesus. His name will be great and the Lord will give him a throne from his father David and in his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary couldn't understand all of this and how it was going to happen. And so the angel said to her in verse 35, look, here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come over you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so Mary gets this greeting and she gets this assignment And then she makes her way to her cousin Elizabeth's house, the text says. And her cousin is pregnant uh, with a son who would be known as John the Baptist, the one who would be ushering in Jesus and go before him, proclaiming that he is the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And when Mary gets to Elizabeth's house, here's what Elizabeth says upon hearing the news, verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promise to her. See, to be a transmitter of his goodness, you must first believe that he is good and that he will do what he says he will do. And after Mary chose to believe, it says she sings out, she proclaims, and she expresses the goodness of God. And she begins to write the most beautiful, incredible poetry as she strings together 15 Old Testament scriptures into this beautiful song we call Mary's Magnificat. And in this spot, she was overcome with the goodness of who God was, and she writes these words because it's truly unbelievable. Think about it. She was in junior high. For those of you who have had junior hires, think about your junior hire writing something like this and composing something like this. Think about it this way. One thing you need to understand, for a young Jewish girl, she didn't know how to read. They didn't go to school. These girls wouldn't have had an education. She would have been illiterate, and yet so eloquently she speaks of the goodness of God. She's the first to ever proclaim the Christian message. She is the first to ever be changed by the hope of Christmas. She is the first to be moved and transformed by the encounter she had with the living God. And any Christian knows That there's something that happens to you when you encounter the living God and the goodness of God and he comes and he changes your soul. When he comes and he changes your life when you choose to believe and that something happened to her and she begins to sing out and proclaim the goodness of God. Verse 46 through 50, she says this, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For you see, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy 
extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. You can see it, she cries out, my soul glorifies the Lord. She sings from the depths of her soul and at the center of her being, I have been changed by the power of God because I have experienced firsthand the goodness and the truth of who he is. And that word for in there, it says for he has been mindful of me. It's really important because the word for means that she has been transformed and now she knows that the God of the universe knows her that he cares for her, that he's been mindful of her, and because of his goodness towards her, she has been changed. She cries out and says, holy is his name, which means that he is set apart, that he repels sin as well as he is the answer for your sin. And the true meaning of Christmas is this, that God has brought Jesus Christ into the world so that we might experience freedom through his joy and his peace and his hope and his goodness. He sent Jesus into the world to deal with our sin, with our flaws, with all of our humanity. He had to do something and that the Almighty would send this child in a manger to extend mercy to each and every one of us that would choose to believe in him, that we would choose to fear his name and to worship him above all things. I love what Tim Keller says about Christ coming into the world and God sending him. He said, because he is holy, God, he must do something. Because he is merciful, he wants to do something. And because he is powerful, he can do something. See, Christmas is God's goodness to us. And we are God's goodness to the world. So we see his attributes now leading into his purposes from 46 to 50. And now his his purposes come through to the world. See, at first, those first four verses, she was singing of what had happened to her. And now she tells about the goodness of God and what he's going to do in and throughout the world. Read with me verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She keeps singing, not because of what God had just done for her, but now because of this glorious news that everyone who would choose to believe can be transformed. You see, God in this moment had changed all of history. He had turned myths into reality. He had taken prophecy and hope of what could be and put in front of sinner and what would be. By sending his son into the world, he had radically changed everyone's relationship with him. And Tim Keller says it this way, that at Christmas, every person is called into a moment of crisis, whether they believe in Christ or not. They can receive him and they can welcome the father into their life or they can lose all hope and choose to live life without him. See, that's the message of Christianity. It has always been a historical religion, and that's why those on the outside seem to hate it so much. All other philosophies or religion are deeply subjective and deeply private, but Christianity, it's the opposite. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God has done something outside of you completely to change you. Yet you, Scripture says, must choose this day whom you will serve. That every one of us has been given free will, but we have to choose to receive this one Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
And Mary, she trusted in the goodness of God because he was and is a mighty God. And he came in mighty power to empower you and empower me. And anyone who would choose to believe can be overcomers in this world. Just look at the list of what Mary proclaims about God and what he has done. Starting in verse 55, it says this, he has performed mighty deeds. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. He has fulfilled all promises. She says again and again, he has, he has, he has. And I'm here to tell you tonight with full confidence because of the goodness of my God that he will, that he will do whatever he said he was going to do and he'll do it again and again for you because that is the good God we serve. Someone once said it like this, those who leave everything in God's hands will eventually see God's hand in everything. That is the hope. Of Christmas. And Mary pointed this out some 2,000 years before she sang this song. This was the promise of God to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, God said to Abraham, Come out from your tent, and I want you just to, to take a look at the sky. And I want you to see all the stars, and if indeed you could even count all of them. And he said, Abraham, listen to me, your offspring will come and your descendants will come one after another and by him there is this one coming named the savior of the world and all nations will be blessed and the text said Abraham believed 2,000 years before this song was even conceived in her mind not only had everyone been waiting 2,000 years for this to happen it had been 400 years since a prophet had spoken Malachi hadn't spoke for over four, for 400 years and nothing had been said and God seemed to be silent. And any rational, sane person would have said, God must have forgotten about us. None of these things that have been foretold are going to come true. Yet for us, here is the message and the hope of, Christ, of Christmas. God never forgets and he's not forgotten about you. But let me remind you, he will never, ever do things according to your time frame or mine. Some things might be done in your lifetime and some things might not. But just because God feels absent does not mean he is distant tonight. And although they hadn't heard for 400 years, all of a sudden now Mary hears the news that the Messiah is coming. In James chapter 4, verse 8, here's what I can remind you that God promises each and every one of you that if you would draw near to God, it says that he will draw near to you. He is not distant tonight and he's not forgotten about you. See, you never know when God's going to come and answer your prayer. And what probably many times seems like the worst time might mean he's just right on time. Think about it. This could have been the worst time for Jesus to, to come into the world. The Jews were oppressed. They were under Roman rule. Everyone and everything seemed to contradict all of God's promises. And then an angel comes to declare to this 14-year-old teenager that you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Did she understand it? No. Was it what she wanted for her life at 14? Probably not. Did she have a thousand questions? Of course she did. 
But look what happened when she asked the question to Gabriel the angel. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Look back. She asked this question. Hey, Gabriel, how will this be? Since I am a virgin, and the angel answered, well, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Look down at verse 37. He confirms this. For no word from God will ever fail. You might want to underline that tonight. You might want to highlight it. You might want to star it. You can take that to the bank. For no word of God will ever fail in your life. See, all of his promises are yes and amen. You can trust and count on him. And here was Mary's response, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. See, Christmas is God's goodness to us. And we are God's goodness to the world. And you never know, if you're a follower of Jesus, when he will come and ask of you. You will never come, you'll never know when he will come and what he will ask of you to do in this world, to be his ambassador, to go forth and to listen to the Holy Spirit and step out in faith and do something that seems a little ridiculous to everyone around you, but you know that God has called you. You never know when that calling is coming, but the real question is, will you be ready for when he asks you so his goodness can actually be fulfilled through you? Couple things. What does this mean for you in your life right now today? Well, the first thing is this. For the goodness of God to be seen in this world, you must first humbly believe in God and his word. For the goodness of God to be seen, you have to believe And trust in the word of God. See, Mary realized that when the angel greeted her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She realized she was getting to join in God's overall arching plan to save the world. She got to play a significant role in what God was doing. And as you know, we don't have the honor of giving birth to the Savior of the world, but we do have a significant role to play in this world for him. And God is inviting every single one of you into his overall arching plan to usher in his goodness and his grace and his love. We have the blessing and the privilege of being one of his children. And with that, we have the privilege of bringing his goodness into this world. But before you can bring his goodness, you have to know him and understand who he is through his word. You have to know what he is asking of you and who you are called to be. See, you have to experience his goodness before you can ever share his goodness. You know, I talked to, uh, about Chick-fil-A earlier, and, and most of you know that their earnings are equal to, and in the last couple years have surpassed every other fast food giant that is open seven days a week. You know that, right? As I've said to my wife, the only day I want Chick-fil-A more than any other day is the day they are always closed, and that's Sunday, right? Anybody else? But I'm reminded they're closed for a reason. You see, they have understood God's word. And they chose to follow God's word and trust his way is the best way. You see, they made a choice to honor God while everyone else thinks they're crazy. And they would say, you're missing out on this revenue on the seventh day. Think of what you could make if you were open seven days a week. You guys are missing it. And I think they have said, no, you guys are missing it. (laughs) There's this thing called the Sabbath. And there's thing called rest. And then there's this thing called trust. 
And that God multiplies things when you give everything over to him. And he does things that you could never imagine with less. He can do more with your 90% than he can do with your 100. You just have to trust him. And Chick-fil-A said, okay, we're going to trust you. And we're going to close on the seventh day to honor God. And they said, we'll show you. See, for the goodness of God to be seen in this world, you got to understand and know what the goodness of God is asking of you. And then the second thing is, for the goodness of God to be seen in this world, you must be obedient to God and his word. And I just want to remind you this, your behavior, not your opinions, is what's going to change the world. You know that, right? Your behavior, not your opinions, is what's going to change the world. It's your reflection of who Jesus is. It's what he's done for you and now what he wants to do through you. And as people who are called to reflect God, we are called to reflect his goodness, not just during the Christmas season. Because you see, this isn't something you do or you put on. As a follower of Jesus, this is who you are to become. See, he says, I've given you my Holy Spirit to dwell within you that you would reflect me. And by the power that is in you, my goodness and my joy and my hope and my peace and my self-control is going to be seen and evident in and through your life. And so that is what he calls us to do. This is who you are becoming. And unless you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can't live out the goodness of Christ on your own strength. Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 20. Ephesians 5, here's what it says. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Here's what he says. He says, you need to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Then Paul says, hey, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, here's what I want. I want you to be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful scripture. And Paul comes and he contrasts the effects of the Holy Spirit with the state of drunkenness. See, he goes, alcohol, you need to understand, it's a depressant. It loosens people up because it depresses their self-control, their wisdom, their balance, their judgment. You've seen it. You've experienced it. And the Holy Spirit has the exact opposite effect. The Spirit is a stimulant. He moves every aspect of our being to be better and more perfect as we live this life for Christ. Alcohol is outside in, and the Spirit is from the inside out. And it comes and it says every moment we have a choice to make that if either we're going to walk in the goodness of Christ or we're going to walk in our own strength and what we think is our own goodness. And every time we try and do it in our own strength, in our own way, we know what happens. And he comes and he says, hey, make no mistake about this. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Well, what does it look like? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like a person who speaks into someone else's life critical words or snarky words or demeaning words or negative words. It doesn't look like that. He, he says this, he said, he, he said, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another. So it, it's observable by people that are around you. When the Spirit is in your heart and you are living out of the Spirit, it's observable by those that are around you. Because what comes out of your mouth, he says, are, are, are psalms and spiritual songs. 
And what does he mean by that? I don't know exactly, but here's what I do know. I think that that is part of what you do, that when you affirm someone, when you love someone, when you encourage someone, when you give them uh, just uh, something that boosts their day, like you could walk up to somebody tonight, and I'm gonna have you do this in a minute, but you're gonna walk up to someone tonight, and you're gonna say, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. You know, I wanna thank you for your compassion or your comfort. I wanna thank you for whatever it is. You know how much you, you, you breathe God's life into their life? You don't even know sometimes what words mean. I had a guy come up to me last night and, and we were at a, an elder party and, and he, just, he just said something to me. I don't even remember doing it. And he just looks and he said, thank you for your compassion. I don't even remember having compassion. But when he said it, I went, oh, it's pretty cool. I had compassion. And someone else experienced the goodness of God. And that's what he says to us. It's observable. What is being observed by others when they encounter you? Chuck Swindoll, he read a letter to his congregation from an 83-year-old man. And he was telling of his act of kindness as he went through the drive-thru. Here's what he said. He said, I was in the McDonald's drive-thru when a young lady behind me leaned on the horn because I was taking too long to place my order. She started yelling some unpleasant things at me and wasn't very happy. So when I got to the first window, I paid for her order and for mine as well. And I pulled away and as I sat in the line, she pulled up the cashier who must have told her what I had done because all of a sudden she looked out her window and she began waving and mouthing to me, thank you, thank you. She was probably feeling a little embarrassed that I had repaid her rudeness with kindness. So when I got to the second window, I showed the lady both receipts and I took her food along with mine. <laughs> so now she has to go back around to the beginning of the queue and start all over again. And then he ended the letter, don't blow your horn at old people. We've been around a long time and we are smarter than you think. <laughs> and an angry heart and a holy heart, they don't go together. And we like that story. But Christ comes and he says, hey, don't repay evil with evil. Repay evil with good. If you're a person that is a follower of Jesus tonight, you have the spirit of God that lives in you. And Paul comes and he says, when that spirit is seen, when you speak over someone, kindness and goodness, when you are singing the voice of God over their soul. He says there is goodness that comes just from a kind word. In Galatians 6, as I wrap up, it says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Hey, can I just ask you um, that you would just start this Christmas season off by showing some goodness to others. But can I also ask you not to let it end on December 26th? 
See, we, we need to be people that were marked by the very power of God that lives in us. And it was for the world to know. And we are to represent the goodness and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And you know it just as much as I do. Man, the world desperately needs us right now. They need us to reflect Him. And it's your behavior and not your opinions. It's your actions and not what you write on Instagram or Facebook or whatever you want to do. Because see, Christmas is God's goodness to us. And we're God's goodness to the world. And the goodness of God cannot be seen unless you have given yourself over and surrendered yourself like Mary did to the leading of Christ in your life. And I promise you, you'll never know when he will come and what he will ask you to do. The real question is, as I said, will you be ready for when he asks something of you so his goodness can actually be seen through you? So here's what I want you to do. Before you leave this room tonight, some of you, this might be hard. And don't take the easy road out. Don't go to one of your pastors and tell them. Don't come to us and say anything nice, okay? Do it to someone that you know or you love. Say something tonight that speaks goodness into someone's soul before you leave this room. Maybe there's someone you need to just ask forgiveness of. You know how, how when you've asked someone's forgiveness, there's just this rush of peace that can come over you and over them maybe that's what you need to do tonight maybe you just need to tell someone thank you I don't know what it is but tonight don't leave this room you have one assignment it's not real hard you can do it you're the best service remember I tell you that all the time Saturday night best service we're going to have 100% tonight participation and then the second thing I'm going to ask of you as you think about how you're gonna live this goodness out. I asked you a, a few weeks back if you would start praying for one person, one time a day, one o'clock, and that you would be praying for that one person to come to Christmas Eve. Who are you gonna invite? We got 22 services. We got eight here. You don't have an excuse that you don't have an opportunity. Just invite them. I have mine. I'm taking my card. I know who I'm inviting. Who's that person that needs to hear the goodness of your God? Tonight, let's be great reflectors of him. Because Christmas is God's goodness to us. And we are, as his followers, God's goodness to the world. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Mary. Thank you that she chose not only to believe, but she received and she carried forth the assignment you gave her. And God, she experienced your goodness even though the circumstance wasn't good all the time. And she proclaimed of your goodness and so tonight we do just that. We proclaim of your goodness. We say thank you for your grace. We say thank you for your love. And Father, may we be people that don't 
grow weary in doing good because we are going to reap a harvest one day. So thank you for this great group of people called friends. Thank you tonight after we sing this song, they're going to they're gonna lift someone's soul by just encouraging them with great words of affirmation and love. And thank you that we can walk out of here knowing that we serve a good and mighty God who has done and will do what he says he's going to do. Thank you that no word of yours will ever fail. We pray this all in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen.